0: Praise God. Body, soul, and spirit, I'm yours. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you so much that as Joseph told Pharaoh, when Pharaoh asked him to interpret a dream, that he said, I can't do it. But God can. And I say that today, Lord, that I can't do it. But God can. And we pray that you would speak words that would touch hearts. Only only your words can touch hearts and change lives. Words of mere man can only do things that are temporary. So we just pray that your word would go out with power and influence and direct our lives so that we can be who you want us to be and do what you want us to do. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go to uh, Deuteronomy, please. Chapter One should be pretty easy to find chapter one once we find the book this uh, this message is a message on the journey of the Christian the journey towards maturity and that's what we have to be as Christians is mature Amen. in the faith and God is looking to To do what it takes to make us mature in the faith. So what? We have a memory class on service. And it is all about service. Because once we get saved, what purpose really is there to stay here except to serve him? Which means to offer whatever he wants from our lives to others. That's it. Otherwise, just take me home. And I know there's a lot of people in here would say right now, if you're not going to use me, just I'd like to be home. But he does want to use us. He did leave us here for a purpose. And the journey towards maturity is very important as a Christian that we need to make sure that we stay on track. And Deuteronomy is a, a great book because it's dealing with. Moses is just explaining what went on. It's kind of given a historical perspective on what went on with the Israelites. So as we go into the book, chapter 1, but I think chapter 2, we'll just read a couple verses, and then I'll just quote something from chapter 1 maybe. But chapter 2, verse 1 says, Then we turned back and set out toward the desert along the route to the Red Sea. As the Lord had directed me for a long time, we made our way around the hill country of Seir. Then the Lord said to me, you have made your way around this hill country long enough. Now turn north. And he mentioned about giving the people orders. After that, but let's stop there. Let's look at that. They were on a destination, weren't they? And they were actually moving. And Moses is telling them that you've been here for a long time and we made our way around this hill country. But the Lord said to me, you have made your way around this hill country long enough. And like Adel says, it's a circle. It's like, I know, we've seen the movies where the, you know, the, I think these are old movies for old people in here <laughs> or, or older. But, you know, you see the uh, the cavalry who's setting up to defend themselves, and the Indians are, are circling, and they're going round and round and round and round. And they were actually going round in circles. Um, But then you go over to the first chapter, and it's an interesting statement. It says that, well, the first verse that I want you to look at is verse 2, where it says it takes 11 days to go from here. 11 days. And Moses is telling them through the Holy Spirit that this trip that they were on was 11-day trip. And like Dean said, it was a 40-day journey, but it was an 11-day trip. So verse 6 says, the Lord our God said to us at Horeb, you have stayed long enough at the mountains. You've stayed here long enough. So I want us to think about that. And I read a quote that was really interesting about this subject. And it says, every Christian who reads these words at this very moment is on a pilgrimage By this, the writer said, I mean it's a journey towards maturity, a course of life for some of us, this pilgrimage pilgrimage is thus far rather pleasurable. And for some of us, it might be pleasurable, exciting, and even fulfilling. But he says, I'd rather suspect that for many of us, it's a pilgrimage that has been marked by pain, a measure of disappointment, And even periods of doubt, disillusionment, and deep struggle. And I can say that for, for me, that it has been, it hasn't been just a a smooth transition after being saved. And today we're going to take a journey towards maturity and we're going to look at where we're going. We're going to look at where they went. But also, I want to, we always want to apply it to our lives and think about, well, where, where are we going? In order to think about where we're going, we all know that you have to think about where we began. There's a beginning of this story. And, you know, you think about beginnings and you think about taking trips. And if you take a trip, the first thing you have to do if you take a trip is you have to have what? A map. That's the first thing. If you're taking a trip to somewhere you haven't been, you should get a map. And, you know, maps are useful because they provide us with accurate information, don't they? Well, I don't know. I just recently went through a training in Cupertino Tino, because I'm changing careers. And I remember going through the old, you know, tried and proven MapQuest. So in MapQuest, what you do is I had a destination. I know where I am. I live Amadilia Place. Simple. I punch that information in, and I know where I want to go because they told me the address. It's real simple. That's actually pretty simple because I know where I'm going and I know where I am. I punch it in and hit a button, and it spits out a map. So I remember the first day I went on this adventure, which it was, and the adventure said, "Well, the map taught me. Well, go down 680." take mission, go over to 880, go down 880, hit 280, take 280, and go to De Anza, and then go left on De Anza, and then go down to this Millbrae. forget the street, make this turn, and then make this turn. I said, okay, I believe MapQuest. I did, I believe MapQuest, so I did that. I got up, I'm supposed to be there at 830. I left at 630. Because I don't believe in being late. It's just not appropriate. Amen, Amen Papa. Amen. So I get on the road and I'm driving and I do exactly what it says, but I take mission and all of a sudden I'm kind of thrown off with mission because I go one way. and It doesn't say go right or left. A map needs to tell you right or left just to let you know. If there's two ways to go, you can't just say, let me go right. Because Murphy's Law says if you go right, it meant left. So I went left. And I went down a little bit, and I didn't see anything. I didn't feel comfortable because I'm not late. I don't believe in being late. So I went the opposite way, and I said, I'm, I'm not doing that. I know how to get over to 880. So I got back on the freeway, went down a little further to Durham, I think, and went over, got on 880, went down 880, traffic, construction, all these things are going on, and all of a sudden I get there. I hit the 280, and I take the exit, and, you know, it's good. And I'm there early. And I pull off. And then as I'm sitting there waiting and I'm early a little, I'm thinking, well, I don't get this because I know this area. I used to live there and I've taken this trip before. And I know that 680 runs into the 280. And then so when I came back home, I did that. I took 280 to 680 and didn't have to get on a freeway, didn't make a left or right turn. Just went straight and looped around and checked the miles out. And it was actually less miles. So what is up with MapQuest? (laughs) I mean, I'm telling you, I don't get MapQuest personally. And then I had to go to the San Jose um, Convention Center. And the same thing happened. It said, go down 680, hit 280, which I said, right on. They're right on it. But it said, take Margaret Street. Now, I've been going that road and taking 280 for two weeks now. So this is the third week. So I'm thinking, I don't remember seeing Margaret off of 280. So I get down there, and I see seven, or 10th Street, 7th Street, and I'm thinking, Mar- I don't get Margaret. I'm taking 7th Street. And I take 7th Street, and it actually said, take Margaret through this street, this street. And it was like circling around. And I'm telling you, I thought, Lord, you gave me this route because you wanted me to use it in the message. Because I was literally going around in circles. And I'm serious. I was thinking, where is this place? And then I I see this building way off the freeway. And I'm thinking, it's got to be a big building. And I drive over in the direction, and there it is, right off the freeway. (laughs) So you take the exit, and you see it right there. I'm thinking, okay, I got it now. Next next time I went down it, bam, I was there. I want you to think about that. Without good directions, what happens? You get lost. These people were given different directions, weren't they? Because I'm telling you something. MapQuest doesn't have a prayer with God. Because when God gives directions, those are good directions. So when we think about this story, let's think about the directions that the Israelites were given weren't MapQuest directions. They were God's directions. And they were clear. And concise. And they struggled with it. It took them, instead of 11 days, it took them 40 years. And I believe the directions that were given initially was 11-day direction. But it took 40 years. And three points we're just going to talk about. is First point is great expectations. Second point is dashed dreams. And the last point is the right way. First point is great expectations. I think it's good to to look at great expectations because in order to, to deal with great expectations, I want you to look at our lives as Christians and understand that, you know, we came to the Lord. We were at a certain point in our lives and we came to knowledge of him. And when we came to that knowledge of him, we had a certain expectation, didn't we? You had to have a certain expectation. They had a certain expectation. If we go to Exodus one eleven, And you don't have to really go there. Because I want to read and keep going. But it says. So that. I want to just kind of set up the stage. Because in order for them to have an expectation. You got to kind of understand their condition. Before their expectation. It says. So they put slave masters over them. To oppress them with forced labor. And it says. But they were. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and work them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with hard labor in brick and mortar. And with all kinds of work in the fields and all their hard labor, the Egyptians used them ruthlessly. Before Christ. Before being set free. That's what their condition was. It's important to understand the condition. Because there was a response to that condition. If you go to Exodus 2.23, it says during that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help was because of their slavery. And it went up to God. God heard the groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Okay, you had a condition where they were enslaved. They were in bondage. And then what happened is they groaned. Didn't they? I groaned. Didn't you groan? Consider what great things he has done for you, as we mentioned in the breaking of bread. Consider what great things. What great things. I was lost and now I'm found. I was shackled by sin and I was set free. What great things did he do for me? It was just like them, the Israelites. They were in bondage. I was in bondage. And then the rescuer came. God came. They groaned and guess what? God heard them. He always hears when there's a cry from those who are looking for him who are looking and have a need who want a relationship with him and so we can see that the life of israelites of the israelites and their response was groaning for god for help and as we move along the scriptures we see god using moses to do what what did he do he brought a fa- brought to the pharaoh in egypt all the plagues the plagues of blood frogs gnats li- um, flies, livestock, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, and finally the plague of the firstborn. Finally, Pharaoh gives up and gives in, and the Israelites are freed. He took them through a process. He did all these things to the, to the Egyptians and to Pharaoh, and then they were set free. Now we come to the Red Sea, and what happened at the Red Sea? We see the miracle. And this is what I mean when I say about what happened to them when i say great expectations because in order to have great expectations which they had you have to understand that they saw what happened they remember they groaned they remembered groaning they remember being shackled and then they also remember being set free they remembered all the things the miracles that that Moses did with Pharaoh and the Egyptians and they saw it and they experienced it firsthand. They saw the miraculous salvation that was given them and they were thankful for that. I know they were thankful. And if you go to chapter 15, you can see that they were thankful because they start singing a song. Now, Dean wanted me to sing a song and I can sing a song of, of thankfulness, but I'm not singing it to you. I'm going to sing it with my kids because they won't, they, they love it. But th- because I can't sing. But they were so happy. And they had voices like some of the people in here that will put their hand up if I say, Who has a voice that they wouldn't want anybody to hear? There are a few people in here that would put their hands up. And Bill just put his hand up, and I knew he would. And Mike, too. Why? Because they we can't sing. Not well. But I think because of. How good they felt. It didn't really matter. They sung. and chapter 15 it says, they sung a song, and this is part of the song, just a couple verses, chapter 15, verse 11, which says, Who among the gods is like you? They are singing this song. They are singing this song in unison. Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders, what wonders? You set us free. I was a captive, and now I'm free. And they're singing a song. You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them. Who? The Egyptians. They remembered it. It was right in the front of their minds. They remembered. And then it says, in your unfailing love, you will lead us. Now, great expectation starts right there. If you tell me they don't have an expectation, I'm telling you, read that over and over. It says, in your unfailing love, you will They said, this is what you did, and looking at you, and looking at the miracles, and looking at my condition, and looking at what you did for me, I can pretty much guarantee that you will do this for me. And they said it with confidence. They had a great expectation, because they experienced a great deliverance. And don't we have a great expectation when we look at the great deliverance? Immediately, I know when I got saved, I had a great expectation. A great expectation. It's like, wow, look what he did for me. Wow, I don't do these things I used to do. Wow, look at my life. And as we walk with him and see it more and more, the miracles, and we see him interacting with us, and we see his blessings, more and more we say, wow, I should anticipate more of this. I should have a great expectation that there's more. And that's what his people say. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. They sang that song. You will lead us because you redeemed us. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. They had a great expectation. They knew because of what they saw God do for them that they can expect him to guide them to the holy dwelling. What about us? What do we expect? Do we have or have we had great expectations that our God will guide us in our lives? When we first were saved, did we have the great expectations? The question is, what happened? What do we think now? Some of us who recently saved, you probably have great expectations. Don't ever stop. You keep those great expectations because just like these people said, in unfailing love. You will lead the people he will lead. He will never forsake us. Amen. He never forgets us. He never stops loving us. He never stops guiding us. He said he will take us. He will take us. He said he will love us. He will love us. Now, the second point is where it gets a little rusty here. It's a little difficult. It's called "Dash dreams. What happened? Because they sang this song. They sang the song. The scriptures verifies that they sang it. But then if you go further and you read, the Israelites sang well for a while. How long did they sing? Anybody know how long they sang? Well, Exodus fifteen twenty two says, then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of shore for three days. They traveled in the desert without finding water, the water of what Mara for three days. They went into the desert looking for water. And all of a sudden, what happened? They got thirsty. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? And then Exodus 16, 1, 2 says, On the fifteenth day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. This is what they said. Dashed dreams. Where's the dream now? Where's the expectation? They had a great expectation. And I'm guilty of that too. I'm guilty of that too. I'm guilty of that too. A great expectation. And then all of a sudden, the waters of Mara come in. And the waters of Mara could be anything, couldn't they? It was just a challenge. It was just a difficulty. It was just something that was unexpected, unplanned. Because I had great expectations, but what were my expectations? My expectations might have been, well, I'm not going to have any problems. This is really a great life. Being saved is wonderful. You would think that from now on, life would be a bed of roses, that We would be delivered from all difficulties. There should not even be a cloud in the sky. A thorn along the path. Nor a sigh from any of the congregation which they sighed. Three days journey until the wilderness and what happened to them? They thirsted. Just three days. Now it could be a month for us. It could be a year for us. It could be ten years for us. It could be twenty years after we get saved. And we have great expectations. And then the dashed dreams come. Just because the waters of Mara, situations come into our lives, which we can guarantee. Can't we guarantee that? That situations are going to come in that we don't anticipate, that we don't expect. And why? Because God is allowing all these things to happen to us. Because what is He doing? He's taking us on a pilgrimage. Everybody in here is on a pilgrimage. I'm on a pilgrimage. You're on a pilgrimage. We started from that day, and then we're walking the walk. We're on a journey to, towards where? Where are we going? To the promised land. The promised life for Sam, for Greg, for Mike, for everybody in here. There's a promised life that Jesus has said, it's written down, that he wants for Everyone in here. He said, I set you free. I rescued you. Because I have a purpose for you. And in order for you to get to this purpose, I have to take you on the journey. What journey? What do you expect? What do I expect? I expect the wrong things sometimes. I expect not to go by the waters of Mara. I expect not to thirst in the desert for three days. I expect not to go hungry and wonder where that next payment is coming from. I expect to have everything. Sometimes I do expect everything to be smooth. Not to have a thorn. Not to have any difficulty. I do sometimes. Sometimes I do. And it's automatic discouragement. And you know what they said? They said, they grumbled. What are you doing, Moses? What's, what's up with you? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are, Moses, rescuing us from slavery, removing the chains, stopping the, the slave drivers from beating us? Who do you think you are, setting me free? I mean, is, isn't that really what happened? Isn't that what they were really saying? Because they were set free. They did grumble. They were massacred. They were beat. They were treated like, like lower than human. And then they were rescued. And then they grumbled. And I grumble too. Consider what great things he has done for you. When we consider that, how can we ever grumble? They forgot to consider what great things he had done for them, and we do too. I do. And I know There are people in here that do with me at times. And that's what happened to them. One guy said, there's always a trip into the wilderness after you were saved. You get a little thirsty, but the cisterns of Egypt will not satisfy you anymore. We get thirsty, but I'm telling you something. Egypt cannot satisfy us anymore. It's impossible. And sometimes we go back and we visit. Like, wait a minute, I remember. And they remember sitting around, eating, and having a family affair. Can you imagine what they remembered? They remembered all the good things. But was that really true? They, they were lying to themselves. They were conned. They were fooled because they start remembering only the things that were positive. They didn't remember the things that cost them in the world. They didn't remember how they, they lived in sin and the consequences of sin, the lack of peace, the lack of, lack of joy, the lack of hope. They didn't remember that. They forgot that. And I forget. And sometimes if we go back into the world and we say, well, wait a minute. I remember Joe over there. We used to go and we used to hang out and play whatever, golf or something. He's my buddy. Things are a little tough. Maybe I'll call Bob or Billy or Joey or Jimmy or Jan or whoever and hang out with them again. And we go back in the world and it cannot satisfy. Cannot satisfy us. And that's what happened to them. They had the dreams that were dashing. You know, they struggled. But praise God for them. This is written for us. I praise God for the scriptures. I praise God that we have stories like this to tell me about my heart. What can happen in here that I can look around and say, wait a minute, Lord, what's up? And then we come to the greatest, the greatest, the greatest deliverance on earth. I love the verse. It says that you have made your way around this country long enough. Now turn what? North. You've gone this way long enough. I love it. You've been circling and circling and circling and circling. Now it's time to stop. Go north. Well, wait a minute. I want to go south. I want to go east. I want to go west. No. He was specific. He didn't say just go. He said go north. And he's telling us today, I know he's telling more people in here than me today. Has to. I hope he is. That you've been going around long enough. Wherever it is. The journey for you is I saved you because I wanted you to go here. My plan for you is that your life would be right over here. I wanted you to be right there. This is my plan for you. Now, somebody else's plan is I want Dean. I want Dean to be right there, and I want another person to be over here. Because I have a plan for for Rick that's different. For Ado, it's different. I want Ado over here. I want you over here. I want you. I want any. I want I have all these plans for each one of us. I saved you, I rescued you, I have a plan for you, and I want you to turn left. I want you to turn right. I want you to go over here. But are you willing to listen to me? He said, you've been going around, you've been going around, I want you to go over here, but you're going over here. You're going around in circles. It's like, well, wait a minute, you're getting dizzy, aren't you? Aren't you getting dizzy? They were getting dizzy, they were going around, but he loved them so much, he says, stop. Okay, stop. Stop. Turn around. Go north. You've been circling it too long. You've been having that that sin too long. You've been meditating on getting saved too long. You've been walking the walk of the world too long. You've been going in the wrong direction too long. You've been focusing your mind on the the waters of Merah. Too long. You've been thinking about your difficulties too long. You've been focusing on the wrong thing for the wrong time. He says, no, it's time. It's time to, time to turn and go north. And then you think about it and turn north and do what? Because the last point is the right way. There is one way and it is the right way. It's God's way. For each one of us, there is a way. It's God's way, isn't it? He has a plan for each one of our lives, and I praise God for that plan. And I praise God he's not like like MapQuest. I really praise God he's not. He's not MapQuest because MapQuest makes mistakes. God does not make mistakes. He didn't make a mistake and say go north, and, and all of a sudden they went north, and all of a sudden they went over a cliff. I'm telling you, they didn't go over a cliff. When they went north, they went right where they were supposed to go. And right what happened needed to be happened, and and it happened. Whenever they were out on the Lord's will, they went the wrong way, the wrong thing happened. We can always say, you go the right way, the right thing will happen. Period. And God's way is the right way. He says, I am the way, the truth, the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the only way to get saved. I am the right way. The only way. There is no other way. There is no other way for us to have the right life either. If we know Him, there's one life. There's one way. There's one way. And it's our responsibility to discover that way. To be, to listen when He says, go the right way. I read something that says, if you want to go west, you can't keep going east. What a great statement. And you know what I heard? I heard at this goofy seminar I went to. It's a worldly man talking about that, but he's got right principles because he's studying right principles because that principle is a right principle, isn't it? If you want to go where? West, you can't keep going east. And God says, if you want to go the right way towards me, you can't keep going your way. He said, Ron, you can't keep going your way. You say you want to have a relationship with me. You say you want to walk with me. You say I want you to change my life. Because I do ask him to do that. You say, Ron, you want to do that? You want a life that's freeing? You want a life that's empowering? You want a life that changes lives? This is what you really want, Ron? You really want that? Why are you going west then? I said, go east. Why are you doing that when I say do this? Why are you eating this? When I said, eat that, why are you doing this when I said, do that? That's a word to me. That's a word to me. And I read another quote, when a ship misses the harbor, it's never the fault of the harbor. (laughs) Whoa, where'd you get that from? If a ship misses the harbor, it's not the fault of the harbor. And we're looking at the harbor saying, what's up? Wait a minute, I missed the harbor. Why'd you move, harbor? Harbors don't move. Ships move. God's law, His word, His wisdom, His truth does not move. Does not change. He's the same God yesterday, today, and He's gonna be the same forever. The same God that penned the first verse in the Bible is the same God that was pinning me walking into the kingdom. The same God that wrote the last pages of the Bible. He's the same one. He has not changed one iota. He can't change. He won't change. And thank God he doesn't change. Because I don't want him to change. I am so thankful he doesn't change. Hmm. You know, I uh, just thinking about directions. I just want you to think about something. The blessing here is that God didn't really make it confusing about his directions for us. That's something very important to understand. It's not, is it confusing? The word of God is not confusing. He said, I have a direction for you, Bill. You go into the word, you read the word. It's telling you, okay, make a left here, make a right here. Oh, stop right there, though. Stay there for a while, because I want you to sit tight. Stop right there. Sit still. Well, where'd I go next? No, sit still. Okay, now, now move. Word of God says that. Sit still sometimes. Sometimes time to move. Sometimes go, it's time to go back. But there's a time. And it's clear. And I went to a Mexican restaurant while I was on this little trip. And I'm walking around thinking, you know, I'd like to find somewhere. So I walk from the, the convention hall and just, I walk down the street. And then I go into a neighborhood in San Jose and it's, you know, it's Mexican. And, you know, I go to the counter and I want something to eat. And I say, you know, can I get a burrito, you know, chicken burrito? What? I'm thinking, okay, now, what's up? I said chicken with beans, black beans and rice. What? Oh, well, I forget what she said. You know, because I don't know Spanish. My wife does. She didn't understand a word I was saying. Maybe she understood chicken, but black beans she didn't understand. So I'm thinking I got a problem here, because I'm getting ready to get a burrito wrapped up. <laughs> it's nice to have a, you know, on a plate, right? You got the beans, you rice, you can see it all. I can say, okay, good. I want a little of this, a little of that. It was wrapped up. So when she brought it, I didn't know what to expect. And I didn't. And I bit into it and I was suspicious as I was biting. Because I didn't know. And then it wasn't black beans. It wasn't what I asked for. I'm going to tell you that. Why? Because she didn't understand. God understands. Us. And wants us to understand him. And he does not give us the language that we can understand. He speaks a language that we all understand. And the question is, do we want to obey him? Do we want to say, yes, I'll go left? Yes, I'll go north. And it's a journey that starts from day one and ends when we're in his presence. And if we expect there not to be any rough waters at times, then we're not allowing him to do the work necessary to make us what he wants us to be so that we can be useful to him and not to us. The goal has to be, Lord, do whatever you have to do in Ron Cooper's life to make Ron Cooper what Ron Cooper needs to be so that Ron Cooper can be used by you to do what you want Ron Cooper to do. And if the goal is ever, no, Lord, make me what Ron Cooper wants me to be so Ron Cooper can do what Ron Cooper wants, then Ron Cooper is what? He's, he's listening to a language, and he's not accepting the truth. He's lying to himself because God is making it clear. Each one of us have a job. We're on a journey. How are we doing? Are we circling? Are we going around in circles? Same thing the Lord told us about a year ago. We're still doing the same thing. Around in circles. He says, stop that. Brian, stop that. And Brian's chewing gummies. He's wonder what I'm saying. <laughs> he says, stop. It's time to stop. He says, time to go north. You've done this long enough. Now, I'll leave you with something. Um, because I want to leave you with something I think that is important. Well, two things. One thing I want to say is I was looking at this today, Decision Magazine, and everybody knows about Decision, and what caught me, I read through it, and I read a couple of things, but what caught me was one thing, the name of the title, Decision. We have to make a decision. I love that. I think, Billy Graham, you got it together. One word, Decision, because he knows that every moment is a decision, isn't it? A decision to follow him or not follow him. What a great th- title of a book. Decision. We have to make decisions every moment. Will we follow? will we not follow? Will we do what he asks us to do or not do it? Will we listen to his voice or not listen to his voice? And the other part I want to mention is, is our attitude in that journey. How enthusiastic are we? Because we need to be enthusiastic. And I'll tell you why I thought about that. I thought about that because this seminar was on sales. And I thought about this this morning. I was thinking, you know, they were doing some really funny things. After sitting there, because we were there all day, and after sitting there a couple hours the speaker, which I thought was pretty good, he would say, okay, everybody stand up. (sighs) Okay. I'm a Christian. I think, right. Stand up for all these salespeople all around. It's probably 300, 400 people. Stand up. So it's standing up in all these little rows. You've got people in front of me. It's like, okay, high five people. Right. (laughs) And then give them double fives. So you're doing a double five. And say, scream when you do it. And then... He said, well, in the beginning of the seminar, he says, do this. Yes. I'm thinking, okay, now do it again. Yes. No, so after he primed us on that, then he said, okay, let's get it ready for the, the thing. I don't know what he called it. So everybody up there at the same time says, okay, yes. And then he do it three times on the left side and the right side and three times on the other side. <laughs> yes. 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 And then you do on the other side. Yes. 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 And you sit back down. But you know what I liked about it? They were enthusiastic. He was building enthusiasm. And I was more enthusiastic. I was. I didn't go to sleep after that. Because I was tired and I was sleepy, but I didn't sleep. I was sitting there, you know, know, but when I got up and did that, yes, 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 I was ready. (laughs) Are we ready? Do we have that kind of enthusiasm about our journey? Do we have the kind of enthusiasm that we can say, yes, Lord, yes, use me. Yes, do whatever you have to do. Yes, whatever you have to do, whatever you have to do, whatever you have to do. Take me through the waters of Mara if you have to. Take me through the desert and leave me at the desert for A year, if you have to, to get the work done that you need to get done in this heart so that this heart can be transformed and conformed to the image you want it to be so that I can be the person you want me to be so I can do the work you have for me to do. Each one of us have to make that decision, and we have to do it with enthusiasm. Because why? Consider what great things he has done for each one of us. Consider the price he paid, and consider what he's done to set us free. Enthusiasm. We should be the most enthusiastic people on earth. Amen. Enthusiastically serving the king. Enthusiastically going through whatever he's brought into our lives so that we can be grown and conformed to the image he wants us to be. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We praise you. We know that you care so much for each one of us. We know that you love us. We know that you're interested in us. You're interested in our lives. Praise God we can have great expectations. We can have great expectations because you are a God that can be trusted. You are a God that we can depend on. You are a God that we can give all of ourselves to and know that you will take us Wherever you have to take us. Because you work all things for the good. All things for the good. And we praise you for that. We don't want to go around in circles, Lord. Point out something in our lives, Lord, that you've been talking to us about. Something that you want to get our attention on and say, It's time to turn. It's time to go in a different direction. And it's the same thing for anybody in this room right now that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior. It's time for you to repent and invite the King of kings and Lord of lords into your life so that he can give you a new life, so he can take you on a new road, a new path, a new journey. And if there's anyone here today, do me a favor. Don't you dare leave here without making a commitment. And then telling somebody here that you want to speak to the pastor, Adel, that you want to discuss that decision that you made today. Don't you dare leave this room. Make that turn today and allow him to rescue you and to give you a new life. And we just love the fact that we can have this time, Lord. We love your word, and we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.